Welcome to the UND Chi Alpha podcast, a podcast for shaping students that are changing culture. We hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Mark Erickson. That'd be comforting if I preached fire. Yes. <laughs> it's, just, it's kind of funny, all like the words you see in the Bible, and we kind of use them. It's like, if you've never read the Bible, I promise I'm not praying God will burn you. Or maybe I, who knows? <laughs> There's a couple that I want, so we're going to turn out Isaiah 1. And we're gonna, no, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Uh, but welcome. It's good to see you. If we've not met, my name is Mark. I am the pastor of this Chi Alpha, but by all means, that doesn't mean I'm alone. And that we actually have a team of pastors uh, that help me pastor this thing, and then student leaders that are really the. I we have supporters that support us financially to be able to do this, but the student leaders in this room, the small group leaders, they're the real missionaries. And so I would like to clap for them. Can we clap yeah. for the small group leaders? They are here not just for a college degree, but they're small group leaders because they believe that they can share the gospel of Jesus and change eternal destinies. So honestly, they're, they're the real heroes. Um, but again, my name is Mark. I have a beautiful wife named Danielle. She is here. She hates when I do this, but Danielle, can you stand? You have to do it. Because uh, I just want them to know not to ask you out. So, so don't ask that one out. You can ask other ones. They can tell you, no, don't ask that one out. I will find you. Um, yep, there's the threat. But uh, we have a wonderful son named uh, Ravi. And he's one year old, and the babysitter has it for the night. So I'm a little sad, but the babysitter is great. Um, but tonight I want to start a sermon series on uh, As a Family We Go. As a Family We Go. Ever heard of Red Collective? That band? Build your kingdom here. Such a great song. Uh, they're totally ripping it off of their album. I'm just like, I'm not good with titles, so I just look for some and then I take them. And so as long as I don't sell it profit, I think I'm all right. So here we are. We're going into this sermon, or a series of sermons called As a Family We Go, and the title of the message tonight is called Born Into the Family. Born into the family. I love this idea of family, and I really believe God does too, because that's really how he made all of us to operate within. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Christianity belongs lived within community. Human behavior, I mean, especially after the whole COVID year, if anything's proved that we need people, it was stuff like that. We're supposed to operate within the context of relationship, relationship with God and relationship with others. And I don't know about y'all, but I had an amazing Christmas break. Hopefully you guys got caught up on sleep. Yeah? You saw the latest and greatest Marvel movie, Spider-Man? In my opinion, the best since Endgame. Uh, Matrix people, you see that? Yeah, that one's like, I don't know. My wife's a fan, I'm not. But so that was some of my thing. But one of my favorite questions to ask people is like, what was the favorite Christmas gift you gave? What was the favorite Christmas gift you got? And for me and Danielle, I think the favorite one we gave was Junior Catan. Does anyone know what this? Like, Settlers of Catan Junior. It doesn't take two to three hours. My nephews read it up, and we were, like, playing that. Even when I went to their house over Christmas break, like, Christmas was over, they were playing it when I got there. And I'm like, yes, Uncle did good. And so that was really fun. But really, I think the best Christmas givers were Grandma and Grandpa, so my mom and dad. My mom and dad gave this arcade basketball. Do you know, like, if you go to, okay, it's there. Is it there? Yes. And they thought it was going to be a hit for the nephews or their grandkids. It was more of a hit for their children. 
uh, me and my younger brother. I didn't have a video of him, but just so you get a picture of what we were doing. Could you hit Eli first, my nephew? This might work. We're a little wonky today with the computer over here. Try left, up, up, right, right, down, right, down, down, up, oh, come back, down, 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 oh, we're just going to play that one, okay, there, you see, now I know what you're probably thinking, what's wrong with this, he's doing the granny shot, right, we could try, can we get to the video where I'm doing it, we have a reason for this granny shot. So scooch over to the right. Yep, keep going. Right, 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 right. Down, 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 down. Oh, yes! Oh, down a little bit more. Right, I'll get there, that'll work. Okay, now look at this. You see how fast you can go? And you do this. That was, that, that was the strategy. So, you can totally X those off now. I just wanted you to see something. Because. What you think would have been a hit with the grandkids, my brother and I, kid you not, and we both have little babies. Our wives are amazing because they put up with the little babies when the boys were out in the shed playing for three to four hours. That is what we were doing. We were figuring out, okay, if we deflate the ball a little bit, it doesn't ricochet as bad. So deflate gate, that's totally us. That's, to <laughs> that's totally us. We did it. But anyway, I love family, but sometimes family isn't always so beautiful. You know, maybe for Christmas break, you're like looking at that and you're like, Mark, my break is anything like that. Going home for my family, I'd actually rather not. And just before I say my family's all like sunshine and daisies, there's, there's brokenness there. You know, within Danielle's and I's to the immediate side and getting into the first cousins a little bit. Just in that, there's, there's drugs, there's divorce, there's rehab facilities, there's cheating, there's lying, there's greed, there's comparison, there's, there's rape. There's, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, and just all in all, there's a ton of brokenness in, in my family. And it's like, what I, what I don't want y'all to think when you hear that word family is, oh, this is how God meant it. Because God does not want that for you in your family. God does not want that for your like biological family. He does not want that for your church family. He wants something that's like life-giving. He wants something that's amazing. And just to show you some snapshots of what the scripture says about family, we're going to look at one here, Ephesians 4, 2 through 3. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to a church in Ephesus. And this is what he says about how the church, the people in the church, how they should behave. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Okay, hold on there. This is the one that gets me. According to whose love does he tell you to make allowance? Yours. <laughs> Isn't that hard? It's like, Lord, oh, they offended me. Well, make allowance for it. But I don't want to, you know? And so God's telling us, this is how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to make allowance for each other's faults. Verse 3 says, make every effort. In other words, this isn't something you just, you just do like breathing. Like you have to, it takes, it takes effort to make this thing of love. It takes effort to be real family to one another. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now doesn't that sound like a family you'd want to be a part of? Where everybody's humble, where everybody's gentle, where everybody's patient, where everybody's maybe willing to look over that dish that the roommate didn't do. 
And you're like, you know, maybe I'll do it because I'm because I'm a loving roommate. I'm making allowance. Is, all your roommates do dishes, so you never have that problem. Oh, okay, okay, just just making sure. Romans 12, 9 through 13. I love this. Don't just pretend to love others. In other words, it's got to be real. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. What I love about that is it's saying, you know, if someone is doing evil, so if someone's constantly lying to you, you don't just have to sit there and take it all the time. You say, hey, bro, you're lying to me. Can we get some forgiveness and reconciliation? Can we talk about this? You're allowed to hate sin. Did you know that? Sometimes I feel like, oh, that word hate, we're not allowed to hate anything. Yes, you are. You're allowed to hate evil. If you're a follower of Jesus, we hate evil. We hate lying. We hate those things. We love the people that do them, but we hate the lie. Hold tightly to what is good. So even some of the worst of people, there's something good there. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. Again, pointing to its realness. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, amen, but work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now doesn't that sound like a fun family? That doesn't sound like brokenness. But I want to ask, is, is, that, is family like that even possible? Has that ever even happened? And here's the best part. It has happened. I, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but there's a portion of scripture where we actually see God's people acting like this. Do you want to check it out where they do that? Let's see what happens. We're going to go to Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts 2. It says, all the believers, they were devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. For us, we'll just call that the Bible for now. They were devoted to the Bible, the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to this thing of fellowship, having fun, playing settlers of Catan. Maybe not that game, but maybe something else. And to sharing in meals. Now, who can't be happy when you're sharing a meal? Come on. And to prayer. So they were devoted to those four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing meals together, and prayer. And these are, these are the results now, what we're going to read. There was a deep sense of awe that came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers were met together in this one place, and they shared everything they had. Wow. Could you imagine loving a people so much where they just walk in your house every day, and you're like, whatever you see, it's yours. Share it. And then you go over to their house, and it's like the same rules. And like that's just this community of people who are constantly doing that. Could we really do that? Or would we be like, hey, bro, okay, you've been on that Xbox a little long. Do you mind? Does that make sense? Or would we really be these people that really share everything we have? Hey man, you ate all the bacon last time you were here. Anyone get protective of the grocery? <laughs> I, I get protective of the bacon, especially. Verse 44. Oh, I read that one. Verse 45. They sold their property and possessions. Look how generous they are. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Who got an amazing Christmas present this year? You don't have to tell me who it is, but just like rock your socks off. Now, go sell that because you have somebody in need. That's the culture that they had. That's how generous they were. They sold their possessions to give to those who did not have. Verse 46, they worshipped together at the temple each day, met in, home, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. 
And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What I love is I look at this community and I'm like, man, I want to live there. Man, I want to be Acts, in the book of Acts. That's actually where we get this out of what I said, Acts 2. That's like the church history book. And so if you're a Lutheran, Catholic, Baptist, wherever church background you grew from, this is actually part of your church history. And I really believe God has called Chi Alpha, uh, this organization, God has called us to be a community like this on to this campus. And now this is really fun. If you're in this service, you know, maybe you're just checking us out. But if you've been in Chi Alpha for a little bit, this is, this is our desire. I'm not even talking about going out and reaching people. Because what I love about this is you see at the very end where people were being added to their number every day. I really think it was like this. You know, people, I think we get like evangelism, sharing the gospel. We're like, okay, make sure you invite people. And so for you guys, it's like going to class and saying, hey, do you want to come to Chi Alpha? Person's like, no. Uh, the next person goes, hey, do you want to come to my small group? Well, what's that? That kind of sounds weird. Small group, what do you even do there? Is it a small group? What do you do in this small group? Or you say, hey, you just want to go get coffee. And it's like, well, what do you want to do when you get coffee? Just stare at each other? You guys just talk? Why do you talk? Let's just go do something. You know, so you're doing these invites, right? Trying to get people to come into your life. Where if we live like that, I think people would be looking at us and being like, hey, there's awe and wonder in you guys. There's miraculous things happening in this Kyle group that I heard about. And you go to that? Can I come with you? I actually want to go. Small group? I don't know what that is, but I want in because you have something that I don't have. Man, you guys are just really, I actually see you guys eating together all the time. I hate eating alone. You guys are always eating together and having fun. Can I come with you? Now, doesn't that sound like fun? That sounds way easier in sharing the gospel. In the way of saying it, you know, instead of catching fish, the fish are jumping in the boat. That's kind of how I see this. So if we could get this thing of community down and really live like God's people are supposed to, I really think that'd be the best evangelism tool in our toolbox. Don't you think? And God really said, when Jesus was walking the earth, this is one of the things he said would mark his people. In John 13, 34 through 35, to set the scene for you a little bit, uh, Jesus hasn't been crucified. He's actually just got done washing his disciples' feet. And thinking about the perspective of this, Jesus is like King of kings, Lord of lords. He's God, but in human form. And he chooses to wash his creation's feet. And so, I know, I don't, would you want anyone washing your feet? Maybe, I don't know, when walking around with sweaty boots, I'm like, oh, please don't wash my feet. And now it's like, okay, God's going to do it. Oh, man, <laughs> please don't do that. But Jesus comes and he washes their feet. He serves them. And then he says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. So the love that he's saying is like, hey, I have this really high and lofty position. I don't think I'm better than you, though. I think actually my leadership looks like this. I am so high, that's why I serve so good. I am so stinking awesome and leadership and whatever, but I'm, I'm going to come down to your level and love you. That's the kind of love I want you to love other people with. Doesn't that sound awesome? That doesn't sound so high and arrogant. Because you know when there's leaders and they're like, I don't have time for you lower class peasants. That's weird. Those people are no fun. I wouldn't want to follow that. And that's not Jesus. But just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Wow. You want proof that God's real? Love the way Jesus did. And then it says the world will actually know that God's really among you 
another translation that says it that way. That God really lives in you. That he's really amongst you people because you love well. Not because amazing, miraculous things happen. Not because you have really cool, electric, awesome worship with Kaito on the electric guitar. That's not the distinguishing factor that God is among you. Not because... Gosh, not because you read the scriptures as much as you should. Don't you say you should. But because you love really well, that's going to be your distinguishing mark. So now here's the hard part. God's people did it then. Why don't we do it now? How can we become this community again? I think we become this community again by, you know, if you want to see change in the world, become that change. That old little thing you throw in a refrigerator. I just think it's so true. It's cliche, but it's right. If you see like what the scripture says, oh, that's what community is supposed to be look like. Everybody can go around and say, well, that church isn't like the Bible. Well, that Christian, they they're not very sharing. You know, it doesn't take a very smart person to judge or critique. You know, anybody can do that. But to live a changed life, now that's something that's miraculous. And so I'm telling you that cliche quote, be the change you want to see in the world. If you really want to see the power of God on a college campus, it starts with you. It doesn't start with, oh man, i got to teach this to my small group. Because then, then revival. You know, no, it starts with the small group leader. And then yes, small group attender, whoever you are, a person that just comes to Kyle It starts with you doing this. Starting to be a person that's generous. Starting to be a person that's humble. And when you do those things... I don't know. People will notice that God's in you. His word says it, so I believe it. You with me? Yeah. But just before we maybe go down the road of, well, if I just try really hard, then maybe I'll act Christian. I want to tell you that that's impossible. It is possible, however, to be in God's community without truly experiencing his family. It's possible. This is, i got to be careful how I say this. It's possible to be a part of God's community and love His community, but not really love God. Yeah. It's possible to even have the responsibilities of like reading scripture and doing what you're supposed to do, attend church, but not really love God. All of us need to go through this thing that the Bible calls being born again. It's kind of a strange thing, so I'm going to explain it. But just so you understand some of the examples. You guys ever heard of a dude named Judas Iscariot in the scriptures? He was this dude that rolled with Jesus for three years. And by rolling with Jesus for three years, I mean he like cast out demons in the name of Jesus. He saw the sick healed, like people who were paralyzed. He saw them get up and walk. He said he pledged allegiance to Jesus. He called him great teacher. He said all these things, but he was the one who ultimately betrayed Jesus in the end. Showing that, man, for three years, you can have the look of being Christian. I mean, especially if you read some of those gospel accounts where like, they're, they're, they're actually breaking bread. The disciples are sitting and they're breaking bread. And you as the reader who knows Judas Iscariot is going to betray him, you're like reading the story. You're like, disciples, how do you not know it's Judas? Please tell him that Judas is going to betray him. Don't send him, Jesus. He's going he's gonna to betray you. Told you. I've read this story. And he had the look. The disciples didn't see it coming. Even after Jesus says this one line, he, said, uh, he says, one of you is going to betray you. All of them just look around. Who in the world is he talking about? They had no idea. And so you, follower of Chi Alpha, hopefully you're not a follower of Chi Alpha, hopefully you're a follower of Jesus, because it's really easy to be a Judas. It's really easy to just go through stuff and never call Jesus your Lord, never call him someone you love, never call him your king. 
And he needs to be all those things. He needs to be your friend. He needs to be your Lord. He needs to be your Savior. He needs to be all of that in your life, not just something you pledge allegiance to. We see this with other people in the Bible, and, and the Apostle Paul would actually warn churches of this. He would write in his letters, if you've ever read like Ephesians or Timothy, he writes warnings to those guys and says, hey, there's a bunch of people acting like us to mislead people from actually following Jesus. So it's very possible, that's all I'm trying to say right now, it's very possible for all of us to have a look of Christ and not actually have, be owned by Christ. Alright? So, how do we know we're owned by Christ? Isn't that the question? And that's where we're coming back to this thing of being born again. If you're confused by it, that's okay. So was a man named Nicodemus. John 3, Jesus is talking with this man, Nicodemus. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, there's that word, phrase, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, explained explain Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I think a very fair question. <laughs> it's like, wait, how's this going to work? Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, thank you Jesus for assuring me, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And just in case we're still like, okay, what? Jesus tells us it's kind of hard to understand. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So Jesus says this thing is mysterious. As far as knowing if you're born again, it's like, well, it's it's not this thing that you can like grab hold of. It's kind of like the wind. It's like, wow, this is so mysterious, Jesus. And that's the thing. With being born again, it's, it's more of an inward work, not necessarily an outward thing. Hopefully, the longer we live for Jesus, that, outward, that inward work becomes evident. It bears fruit, as the scriptures say, or like you can actually see someone be nice. You can see somebody be humble. So how do we go through this experience of being born again? John 3 continues and gives us some ideas of it. It says in verse 16, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but He'll actually have eternal life. So here's the thing. Could I actually... Can I get a chair? Would that be if I get that one? Yes. This is going to be helpful. Thank you so much. So, like we just read, God gave up His one and only Son. And whenever we're talking about that, God gave up His one and only Son, that means that He paid the price for all of our wrong. If you've never heard, uh, really, that the word sin compared to something, it's just essentially doing something wrong in God's eyes. It's a violation of, of His rules of conduct. And so if we do something like that, we've sinned. And so he says we can actually be saved, have eternal life, not be punished for our sins that we deserve by believing in Jesus, by believing that he died on the cross for all of our wrongs and rose again from the dead. But when we say the word believe in our culture, it's like this. I say, I believe this chair will hold me if I sit in it. And we just stand there. But I believe it, because you're all sitting in chairs, therefore this chair will hold me. And it's a simple, I said this before talking to you guys, it's kind of like a belief in Santa Claus. You know, we compare belief and we're like, oh, I'm a little kid being, I believe that there's a Santa Claus. And that's really people's belief in Jesus. But you know I don't really believe 
that this chair will hold me until I sit in it, right? And so Jewish understanding of belief was this. When they said, if you believe, that meant this. I believe this chair will hold me. Now I believe, according to Jewish culture. So when you see that word believe in the scriptures, what they're saying is you, you did something. They're not just saying that you gave mental assent to it. Oh, I believe, I don't know, flat earth. Oh, Lord. No, I don't. No, I don't. That's another convo another day. But does that make sense? And just in case you're not totally following me. So it, it is a belief. It's not by works. But John 3.36 says this. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. There's that belief again. Think sit in chair. Not just stand there. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life. But remains under God's angry judgment. Because if you and I never believe, think sit in chair and believe, if you and I never believe in what Jesus has done for us on the cross, then there's no way that we can identify as, oh, hey, all that wrong I did, actually Jesus paid for it. Instead, that wrong stays on us. And what does God hate? This could be participation. What does God hate? Sin. And so if we never put our sin on Jesus by believing in Him, the sin remains on us, and God has no choice but to get rid of us. So how do we get rid of that? We believe in Jesus. We obey Him. And as we obey Him, we start to have this thing that happens inside of us that changes us. And we become born again. And again, I don't know totally how to describe it to you, but besides telling stories, really. Uh, worship team, you come up at this time. But when I went through my born again experience, I'd say, it was like, it, it was a moment with many other moments to come. After it, because when I gave my life to Jesus in a small group, after confessing my life of I was living in sexual sin with my then girlfriend, I was really insecure and looking for basically take care of myself. Uh, but when I gave my life to Jesus, the biggest marked difference I noticed over time was all throughout high school and some of college, the way I felt better than people was by physically or whatever it was, by being better than them. Like, I only felt better than you if I beat you at wrestling. I only felt good about myself if I won the game. But then after this thing happened in me, I started to have a change of perspective. It was like, oh, I actually think I feel way better helping people get better. It is way more fun to see people experience God's grace and forgiveness than putting them down so I can feel better about myself. And I was like, gosh, this is different. I don't know what you want to call it, the tinglys, the fuzzies, something like that, the goosebumps. But there was just something that changed inside of me that I can't quite describe it to you, but I know I'm different. I so wish you could have met me like 11 years ago and see that insecure little blonde punk that I was. And maybe that's some of us in here today. Maybe we only feel good when we can prove that we're better than other people. Or maybe we've just stopped and you said, no, I'm not going to try to prove anything, so I'm kind of worthless. You know, I want to talk to about that in a moment. But I want to end with one last thing. God's family is amazing. It's beautiful. It's somewhere where it's hard to even imagine. And I've seen God's people do it. We read it in the scriptures. And it's not the only place that happens. We see, we see glimpses, of it, glimpses of it in our small groups. We maybe have seen glimpses of it maybe in your own families at home or maybe at your church. But guys, I really believe this is something that's supposed to happen at Chi Alpha every day. Something that's supposed to happen in small groups every day. Something that's you as a follower of Jesus that are supposed to do to people every day. As a family, we go. 
as a family we go being humble, as a family we go being patient, forgiving one another, and as we do, we won't have to catch the fish. The fish will start jumping to the boat. Be like, I want to be in this family. And one last thought that really moves me. You know, Jesus, when he was on the cross, the very last thing he said was, it is finished. And after he said that, he was saying, or what he was saying when he said that, was that paying the price for all of our wrong was done. That it was forgiven forever. We just have to accept that gift now. But what I think is so cool is before he got on the cross, he was actually looking down. And when he's looking down, he sees his mom and he sees one of his disciples, John. He looks at them and says, Mom, you see this son? Or you see John? He's going to be your son. Oh, and John, you see, you see mom? Okay, that's going to be your mom now. Take care of her. One of the last things he did was make sure that his young disciple John and his mom had family. I'm thinking, wow, if, if that was one of the last things on Jesus' mind before he died, family's pretty important. And so if you're here and you don't have like, like a church family or followers of Jesus to love you or even to show you what following Jesus is all about, maybe that's something for you. Maybe you need a small group. Because I like to say, you know, Kaiapha, we're not a family. We're a bunch of families. Small groups are the family. This is like the reunion once a week. That'd be kind of fun having a reunion once a week. But uh, with all of that said, if I can get every head bowed and every eye closed, I have a couple questions. You know, maybe you're here and you, you've identified as a follower of Jesus. But when you look at those lists of like how God's people act and always being humble, always being patient, making allowance for one another's faults. You look at that and you're like, oh, you know, I, I don't do that so good. I kind of demand that people do what I think they should do. I'm quicker at pointing out other people's sin than taking care of my own. And if that's you and you'd like to ask Jesus to forgive you of that and give you an opportunity to live changed, could you raise your hand right now for me to, to see so I can pray for you? That's awesome. Let's go. Okay, you can put those hands down. My, my last question is this. You know, maybe you're here, and maybe you've been rolling with Kyle for, for a while, or, the, or this is like your first time here. And you're like, you know, Mark, I kind of want to have that born-again experience. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to come into the family, not just attending something, but I want to I go through a, a newborn experience. And if that's you, and you want to surrender your life to Jesus and follow him, could you raise your hand right now, long enough for me to see? Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed you, encouraged you, and equipped you to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us at undkialpha.com.